Hi, this is filmmaker and author Michael Morin. Whenever I'm not riding my bike around the Davis campus, I'm listening to KDVS College Radio right here. FM. Cool. This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. I think we'll start out with a quote uh, on today's show. This one comes from the immortal Blaise Pascal, who once said, Do you wish people to think well of you? If you do, then don't speak well of yourself. A corollary to that, and I don't remember who said it, is that it's best to let others discover your good qualities on their own. Let us postpone our delving into this day in history briefly because I want to plug Vanity Fair magazine. It's amazing to me the quality of good writing that you find in that magazine. The one on, on, the, sh on the, the stands right now is an excellent example. I noticed that on page 294 they had some quotes I, I had to mention. This came from the, the housekeeper ate my leftovers file, which apparently were actual complaints from rich people. The byline is Nell Scovell. We don't know where Ms. Scovell got these, but uh, apparently these are actual quotes from the well-to-do. And I guess I should do these in my best Thurston Howell III impression. <laughs> but uh, how about... The shirt I want is always in the other house. How about Botox does not last six months. It's three months, maybe four, tops. And, of course, who, who hasn't said this one? You know, my landscaper and interior designer are at each other's throats. <laughs> Another uh, irked quote from, from the well-to-do. By the time we booked, the deluxe and ocean rooms were all sold out. They had only garden views. I like this one. My cell phone doesn't work on the back nine. <laughs> and my personal favorite among these, you know, the waves are so loud at the beach house, I have trouble falling asleep. The minute you walked in the joint, I could see you were a man of distinction, a real big spender. Good looking, so refined. All right, now let's do this date in history. On this date in history, in 1955, the recently departed Rosa Parks ignited the Montgomery, Alabama bus boycott for refusing to give up her seat on a public bus to a white man. On this date in 1887, Scottish author Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's character Sherlock Holmes first appears in print in Study in Scarlet. And it was on this date, December 1st, 1640, that my people in Portugal reclaimed their independence after 60 years of ham-fisted Spanish rule. Yes, it had been in 1580 when Philip II, the rather unsmiling and uh, arch-conservative ruler of Spain, marched the troops into Portugal and uh, basically put his smaller neighbor under the Spanish thumb for six decades. So we of Portuguese extraction uh, take some pleasure in the fact that it was eight years later, 
Philip launched his ill-fated Spanish Armada and got the crap kicked out of him by the British Navy. Well, the storms in the North Sea helped. Apparently, Philip's claim to fame had been a victory over the Turkish Navy at the Battle of Lepanto in 1571. We at Radio Parallax have done some research into the matter, courtesy of the book Forbidden Knowledge, uh, uh, supplied to us uh, by uh, listener Shanta, that uh, the Battle of Lepanto apparently went the way of the Spanish because Suleiman the Magnificent had passed away in 1566 to be replaced by his son, Sultan Selim II, known to history as The Drunk. To quote from Forbidden Knowledge, which is published by the people at Mental Floss, Selim the Drunk is generally considered one of the most disgracefully lazy rulers of the Ottoman Empire, which is apparently no small accomplishment. Uh, his indolence was even more noticeable because of the fact that his father, Suleiman the Magnificent, uh, had conquered much of the Middle East and North Africa. His progeny, on the other hand, preferred to spend almost all his time in the harem, never once led his army in a campaign, became an alcoholic, as his nickname suggests, and generally withdrew from all administrative duties. Historians of the Ottoman Empire often mark the beginning of its decline from his completely useless reign. What can I say? We love the historical tidbits on this program, and hopefully you do too. All right, from our statistics department, uh, uh, I think we mentioned this on last week's show, but we're going to mention it again. 771,000 people were arrested in the U.S. for possession or use of marijuana last year. That's more arrests than for all violent crimes combined. An item we're sorry to report on, apparently U.S. military officials in Iraq have revived the practice of providing enemy body counts, which was dropped after the Vietnam War. Last year, the military says, an estimated 15,000 insurgents were killed or captured by American and Iraqi forces, according to the Washington Post. To those of us who can remember the misrepresentations that took place back in Vietnam, uh, uh, you know, sort of a way of keeping score in the war. We're killing a lot more of them than they are of us. Uh, well, we're pretty sorry to see that again, the Vietnam parallel seems to be raising its ugly head with what's going on over in Iraq. All right, from the Only in America file, we have the following. In response to last December's Indian Ocean tsunami that killed an estimated 275,000 people, officials in Malibu, California are distributing pamphlets warning surfers not to try and surf on a tidal wave if one strikes California. Some people may feel that we're stating the obvious, and some may not, said Brad Davis, Malibu's Director of Emergency Preparedness. We want to encourage people to move away from the coast rather than towards it. And also from the Only in America file, we have the fact that televangelist Pat Robertson, I don't know if you heard about this, warned the city of Dover, Pennsylvania, where the issue over teaching creationism uh, was in the news last month, to expect divine retribution for voting out members of the school board that ordered the teaching of intelligent design. I'd like to say to the good citizens of Dover, if there's a disaster in your area, don't turn to God, said Robertson. You just voted God out of your city. Pat Robertson, who has a daily audience of one million, once warned Orlando, Florida, that its friendliness to gay groups could lead to earthquakes, hurricanes, and terrorism. Yourself, you know it's a must. Gotta have a friend in Jesus. So you know 
Let's do the good week four, bad week four section, courtesy of The Week magazine. Apparently, last week was a good week for survival of the fittest after Harriet the tortoise turned 175 years old at her home at a zoo in Queensland, Australia. Harriet, who was born on the Galapagos Islands before Charles Darwin first arrived there on the HMS Beagle, celebrated by eating a cake of pink hibiscus flowers. It was conversely judged a bad week for country and western metaphors after singer Kenny Chesney likened the pain of losing Renee Zellweger to quote having someone come in and take your big screen TV off the wall during the big game and there's nothing you can do about it end quote between you and me I think it's pretty clear why Renee Zellweger got an annulment apparently it was also a bad week for The Honeymoon. Two weeks ago, after police arrested a 37-year-old Georgia woman the day after she married a 15-year-old boy, Lisa Lynette Clark had been, quote, dating, unquote, the boy for two years, police said. And in closing, one of my all-time favorites among the many articles we've quoted here in the the Good Week for a Bad Week for section, it was judged a bad week for rehabilitation. After a correctional officer in charge of a small Brazilian jail had one of the inmates cover him while he went to lunch, the prisoner promptly released two cellmates and the three of them drove off in a police car. Explained José Wilton de Lima, I believe he had changed. (laughs) Apparently, Wilton de Lima is no longer employed at the facility. Did anybody notice the, this item from the Sacramento Bee last month? Uh, Dick Cheney was lobbying the U.S. Senate for a torture ban exemption for the United States. When uh, Dick Cheney was doing this lobbying, I, I was in Central America, and, and, I, and, I, and I'm glad to say the news apparently didn't get a, a lot of circulation down there because you, you, you don't feel real proud to be an American when your vice president goes before the Senate and asks for an exemption to a proposed ban on the torture of terror suspects in U.S. custody. Gary Trudeau sounded off on the subject of, of torture on uh, last week's uh, last weekend's Doonesbury. In the strip, character Mark Slackmeyer uh, harkens back to Yale, fall 1967, a, a little, uh, little remembered incident that the Delta Kappa Epsilon fraternity, of which the current president, George W. Bush, was then the head, got in some trouble over at Yale for the, uh, the habit they had of branding their pledges on the backside with red-hot coat hangers. This apparently was frowned upon by the authorities at Yale, but the plucky president of the Deeks <laughs> apparently told the press at the time, it's insignificant, there's no scarring mark, physically or mentally. In the final panel, uh, Mark Slackmeyer is addressing the reader saying, the rest is history. This has been defining moments in torture. Meanwhile, the voice bubble coming out of the White House in the background says, human pyramids? Hell, I did those as a cheerleader. 
And speaking of cartoons, I think that most women out there listening probably um, don't require proof that they have a more sophisticated sense of humor than men. But over at Stanford, researchers took 10 men and 10 women and a set of 70 single-paneled cartoons and asked them to rate how funny they were. As the men and women evaluated the cartoons, their brains were monitored with an MRI. When uh, cartoons made women smile or laugh, they showed a burst of activity in both the left prefrontal cortex, which governs language and complex idea processing, and the nucleus accumbens, the reward center of the brain. Men, conversely, had far less activity in both of those regions, even when they laughed out loud. This suggests that women gave more thought to the cartoon before they decided if it was funny, and that they got more pleasure out of it when they got the joke. Men, on the other hand, started out expecting to find the cartoons funny and gave them less thought. As a result, they experienced less pleasure. This prompted research chief Alan Rice, Dr. Alan Rice, to tell the Associated Press that men laugh at flatulence jokes and slapstick. Quote, It doesn't take a lot of analytical machinery to think that someone getting poked in the eye is funny. End quote. Finally, from Stanford University, an explanation of why men laugh at the Three Stooges and women do not. And a rather sad milestone uh, of, of note, it's been 25 years since uh, John Lennon was killed in New York City. That was, of course, in, um, in December of the year 1980. Terry Gross had an author of a new Beatles uh, bio on earlier this week. I don't know if any of you heard that, but uh, they, played, uh, they played Tax Man, a song that came out when I was in, in junior high. And, and man, you forget how good those guys were. Another Beatles news, the 1981 Rolling Stone cover showing a naked John Lennon wrapped around Yoko Ono was voted the best magazine cover of all time by the American Society of Magazine Editors. Sir Paul McCartney, who entertained audiences locally here at Arco Arena a couple weeks back, uh, uh, apparently is not taking so kindly to Yoko Ono's recent criticism of his songwriting, however. During a recent appearance in London, Yoko Ono said that without John Lennon's input, Paul McCartney can only write songs that rhymed June with Spoon. She's John's wife, so I have to respect her for that, McCartney told the London Mirror, but I don't think she's the brightest of buttons. She said some particularly daft things in her time. Her life is dedicated to putting me down. Another rather sad anniversary, um, on November 5th of this month, uh, was the 10th anniversary of the assassination of Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin, killed by ultra-nationalist Yigal Amir, who considered Rabin a traitor. Rabin was gunned down following a peace rally in Jerusalem. We do note a lot of good news coming out of Israel uh, 10 years later. Uh, Ariel Sharon, who, who would have thought it? Uh, t talking about ultra-nationalists, the man who started much of the settler movement, 
has seen his Likud party move to the right, oppose his efforts uh, in Gaza and, and efforts apparently to, at least preliminarily it seems, move toward a two-party state. Ariel Sharon has moved to the center, a man whose right-wing credentials cannot be questioned. Apparently he's a guy who has some latitude to do this. We, uh, we hope that this, this will continue and note that, uh, that Gaza was for the first time in 40 years open uh, to its border with Egypt without Israeli checkpoints. The Gaza Strip is a long way from being a viable economic entity, but, uh, you know, at least steps are being made in that direction, and if they can now get the West Bank settled, we might, you know, finally see some peace uh, in that part of the world. Actually, let's do the good news file here. we got a lot of good news. The Bush administration has abandoned research on a nuclear bunker buster bomb, apparently. Uh... Critics kept pointing out that you can't really get a nuclear device down deep enough in the earth so that when it explodes, you don't spread radiation all over the place. Nevertheless, the, uh, the Pentagon was determined to have this, uh, or at least some elements were among the neocons. The Energy Department had included $4 million for the project in its 2006 budget request, but it has since removed it from its wish list. All right, more good news from the Journal of Geophysical Research. The ozone layer is no longer disappearing, apparently. Uh, depletion of the stratospheric ozone, which defends the planet from harmful levels of ultraviolet rays, was first detected uh, via satellites 25 years ago. It had uh, interestingly been predicted as, as a concern by some atmospheric scientists down at UC Irvine. They were uh, roundly uh, scoffed at for their, uh, their belief that uh, flor- chlorofluorocarbons might eat away at the ozone layer, but then satellites proved that to be a, a, a very real concern. Apparently, scientists analyzing data on the ozone layer from satellites and ground stations have found that the, the decline plateaued between 1996 and 2002. This is good news, but we're not out of the woods because these uh, chlorofluorocarbons do persist in the atmosphere for decades and will probably still eat at the ozone layer uh, as long as they're around. Article I noticed from the Sacramento Bee, October 16th, worthy of mention. Apparently, Professor Rihong Zhang here at UC Davis uh, uh, is overseeing a project to produce electricity from renewable resources. Uh, one, th- one prominent uh, uh, item which could be used is waste organic matter. You know, a lot of other countries also burn uh, fiber, paper, paper waste, and they generate a lot of electricity with that. That's something else we could do in this country, and I, and I think that uh, in the years to come, we're going to you know, uh, hopefully see a lot more of that. And there's some promising animal studies as regards uh, children with learning disabilities. The drug Lovastatin uh, was created to lower cholesterol in people, but researchers gave the drug to mice that had previously shown trouble learning. And... Um, Apparently, they were able to pick up new tasks much better on the drug. It apparently targets the most common form of learning disability, which affects about 1 in 3,000 people. This comes from a mutated gene that makes uh, the body produce too much of one type of protein, which then clogs up neural pathways. Uh, Lovastatin evidently fortuitously targets the fatty parts of that bad protein and eliminates it from the body. They have not yet made the transfer from mice into people, but uh, this is also good news. And the sports front, apparently uh, our own Cal Aggies here at UC Davis, uh, the football squad achieved its 36th straight winning season. Uh, Davis went uh, 4-1 in the Great West uh, Conference after defeating Northern Colorado. 
couple weeks back. Uh, they were 6-5 and five overall, including that, uh, that celebrated victory over Stanford uh, down at the University Farm in Palo Alto. And final item for this segment, um, good news for people with oversized derrieres. Apparently, it's not the uh, it's not having an oversized butt that's a health risk. It's a big belly that you have to worry about. Researchers at Hamilton General Hospital in Ontario, that's that's up in Canada for the geographically challenged, have confirmed that it's where people store the fat not merely how much they have that determines their risk for heart attacks. After analyzing heart attack statistics for 27,000 people, the researchers found that fat stored around the waist is far more dangerous than fat deposited on hips or buttocks. In other words, it's better to be pear-shaped than apple-shaped. It's thought because presumably fat around the waist might be more likely to leak into blood vessels in the abdomen and then clog the heart and other vital organs. This is indeed good news for the big bottomed. Big bottom, big bottom. Talk about bum cakes, my girl's got them. Big bottom, drive me out of my mind. How could I leave this behind? This is Radio Parallax on KDVS 90.3 FM. Davis, Sacramento. I'm your host, Douglas Everett. And this, of course, is the immortal Spinal Tap, saying it better than we could. <laughs>